Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Cody McAuliffe podcast. In this podcast, we share all things on consciousness, mindset, psychology, anything to do with tapping into people's latent superhuman potential. Personally, I believe that every single person has this latent skill, this latent ability within them, which is crying to come out, which is crying to be expressed in the world. And this podcast has been created so that we can actually create that occurring for as many as people as possible. If you're not already, please join the Human Potential Movement Facebook group where we talk about all things uh, human potential and you'll get first access to this podcast. So let's get into the episode. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Today's guest is Run Wild, aka Matthew Gardner. We went on a <laughs> very, very interesting journey on this podcast. Started out uh, going through all the different uh, components of creating an identity shift and facilitating that process to right, <laughs> right through to the potential end of humani- humanity and the singularity event, AI, all of this thing. We went, we went really deep in this episode. It was very enjoyable episode to record and i know that you guys are going to get a lot out of it it uh it's very progressive in terms of how it goes we start very very surface level and just gets deeper and deeper from there so it was an absolutely amazing episode and i'm super excited to be able to share this with you guys because i know that you're going to get a lot out of it let's get into the episode awesome so today's guest is the legendary run wild thanks for joining us ron thanks brother thanks for having me and Tell me a little bit about your story and how you came to be Run Wild. My story and how I became to be Run Wild. So, so I was born Matthew Liam Gardner. Facebook has recently renamed me Matthew Liam Gardner as well, <laughs> thanks to all the legals. Uh, but I, you know, my father wasn't around through my childhood, through my teenage years. And when I was about to turn 21, I decided to go track him down. Uh, he was living in Papua New Guinea. And uh, yeah, so I went over to Papua New Guinea right before my 21st birthday and still as Matthew Gardner. And um, on, my, on my 21st birthday, um, you know, spend this beautiful time with my father for the first time really in my life and definitely in my adult life. I got to, I got invited to sit in circle with the um, local, the local tribe, the village. And they made me a headdress and they essentially did like the same induction like their traditional induction into adulthood that Mm -hmm. they do and when they did the village chief um gave me a a Papua New Guinean name and that Papua New Guinean name was Kanamon um K-A-N-A-M-O-N and as he looked in my eyes I kind of realized I'm like oh this this guy's got the the approval of everybody to give me a name and all of a sudden I am this name now in Papua New Guinea so it was Kanamon and I went back to Australia a couple of months later and thought about it. And I'm like, oh, what is like, there was no different. I felt, felt no difference between me and the village chief in that moment, like how, in how I held myself and how I related to myself. And I came back to Australia and I'm like, what if I had the power to create my own name? And so over that, over the course of that year, I sat with it on a midnight 2008 into 2009. I um, ran a snap at midnight. I jumped off a cliff um, into like darkness uh, there was a, I knew there was water five meters below, but as I fell through the, through, fell through the darkness, I still hadn't decided what I was going to like name myself, but I decided that I was going to name myself in that moment. So like the, 
I jumped, still not knowing. Um, I had ideas, but, and so when I was in the air, it, all I could say was run wild. And so there was this beautiful moment where my body went under the water and my e just as my ears went under, I, f I heard run wild echo off the walls around me and it felt like this like real spiritual imprinting mm. on me. Um, and you know, I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but and I have a better language for this now, but the, the thing that I knew, like the most, I think one of the things that we hold the most dogma around, like one of like the top five things we hold dogma around is actually our names. Mm. Uh, and there's almost a rule that the identity we get given the moment that we come into this world through the lens of the person holding us in their arms, that's the identity we have to stick with our entire lives. Mm. And so the language I have for it now is more this idea of, names almost like not quite but almost like a shirt mm. right it's just like cool what do i choose to wear in this moment and yeah so i just i wonder what the world would be like for everybody if the dogma around their names was released mm. how how important do you think it is um the name that we're given them like everyone's given a specific name, everyone buys into it, everyone has a specific identity that they buy into. Like how much does that play out in, in every area of our life? Oh, well, first of all, like, don't get me, am I, can I, can I can swear on this thing? Don't get me fucking started on numerology. But, and I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you why, not because not I don't believe in numerology, because so much of my life, the last three weeks, has been about numerology. Uh, it's literally, it's dominating my existence right now. Uh, yeah, so how important is it? Yeah. Yeah, how important is it? I think it's, I think it's when we can't honor ourselves. So as, as babies, you know, we're, as like a newborn, for instance, we had, this is our first day on this earth or our first week on this earth. And, you know, usually we get our names in the first couple of hours or day or week. And we don't, like, we can't honor ourselves and give ourselves an identity to have a place. Mm. So someone else does. And they do it, they do it, uh, in my interpretation, they do it as like the leader of that little tribe. You know, that's essentially what it is. It's like, mm. you know, when my parents gave me a name, they were my chief mm. in that moment. And they chose a name for me. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's really beautiful. It's like a, it's a real, and they, there's also like on the good side of the dogma is this real sacredness that people hold, like the, the chiefs, the parents hold in being like, I really want to see this baby and give it a name that honors it, mm. you know? So there's a, like, there's a real beauty to that as well. Um, and you can, people can live their entire lives, obviously, because like most people do <laughs> with their birth name, right? Uh, and it can be a magical, beautiful, sacred thing that gets to be there through their entire lives. The, the pieces that when, and like my message around name is not to change your name mm. to anybody. It's to own your name. Yeah. And, and what I found is that, you know, my identity has shifted so profoundly over the course of my life uh, that over in like, and really in big evolutionary stages, like almost like, oh, this month was like an evolutionary shift. And, you know, 10 years, you know, the, like the, the, the weeks yeah. where it's like 10 years of shit happens in a week. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, cool. Like, am I, like, how do I still relate to myself now? Mm. And um, I, so I never, I've never disowned Matthew Gardner, mm. never. I still have 
cousins. My mum still calls me Matthew, all of that. But it was really the owning of what I felt like the vibration of that identity was. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think it's really beautiful. The, the birth, the birth honoring and naming of babies. It's mm. magical. It just, at some point it becomes a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. How does one facilitate that transformation of identity then? Whew. So like the change process of mm. shifting. Oh, okay. Well, for, so through my lens, uh, I think it be- begins with actually believing that change is possible mm. and that, and identifying that over the course of our lifetime, we're going to have many identities. This is, this is like the integrated educated version of change, right? <laughs> right. So if it, speaking kind of to speaking kind of to people who can look at their life and go, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm a, I'm a baby. I'm a child. I'm now an adolescent. Like, you know, you were in the workshop the other night when Eve was talking about um, Eve Marie, a um, sex therapist, mm. was talking about how as we become adolescents, our uh, testosterone increases 800 times in like a month. Mm. Because it's like, it's like all of a sudden there's 800 times the testosterone in our bodies. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, knowing how I relate to testosterone, that that 800 times that month uh, I believe that we instantly have a new identity mm. and it's because we be different people. Yeah. It's like known in society, right? Uh, and the same thing happens throughout life. The same thing happens as we come f- um, into our like traveling, exploring phases in our like late teens, early twenties, mid twenties. And then as we move into like claiming a space in Prince phases mm. in that, you know, like what, what, what I'm actually here to do and what work am I here to do in the world? And, you know, at some point we claim space. And this is, this is the, the men's conversation right now. Mm. But women can apply the same ideas, right? Yeah. Um, and so, they, so as, as we journey through this, our 20s, we claim spaces that are things that we're passionate about. And then all of a sudden we're on a mission inspired by this thing that wasn't necessarily there ever before, but it's like the main driver of our lives all of a sudden. Yeah. And then at some point on that journey, there's a kingdom established where we don't have to worry so much anymore. We have to sit back and kind of watch the kingdom grow and have the residual income coming in and, you know, like speak. And when we speak, it's people listen and there's value to the words, you know, as consultants, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, even as someone who's moved through a career into a managerial position. Mm-hmm. Like there's more value as you move, as you move through the process. Yeah. So at some point you become like a, a king or a queen, someone who holds like immense value and kind of holds this, holds a space. And each of those are separate identities that, you know, it's, we get to, we get to look at and be like, cool. Like does this identity to me hold the vibration that I was given as a baby? Mm. Yeah. And, and sometimes it will. And sometimes people will relate and nearly every time it will. And people will relate to it through that lens. Yeah. Like I have the potential right now as I transition, I'm transitioning through a real um, like almost like beginning prints to middle prints phase right now. Mm-hmm. Like I have a mission that's, that's been done for a while. And now I'm coming into, oh, like real, like almost like beginnings of King integrations. Like, mm-hmm. cool. How would this mission look if there was residual income? How would this mission look if uh, I didn't have to bust my ass for millions of people to hear a thing or for my, my words to be valued even more. Mm. Yeah. Like that's kind of the stage I'm moving through. So 
I like right now I'm literally in a phase of evolution where I'm like, okay, well does run wild. You know, I'm giving myself to ask the question, does run wild and Facebook's helped a little bit too. Cause it, it just, it <laughs> Thanks, run wild. Facebook. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I get to ask the question, do I still resonate fully with this name? Mm. Is that the frequency of, of who I am? Mm. And so it's not, a, there's no, like the idea, like the power that I have and the thing I'm facing now is like, do I, do I hold dogma around run wild? Mm. You know, that's kind of like the funny, like cycle of things. Mm. Yeah. Did I answer your question about change enough there? Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> very, very much around it. So, um, like you're talking a lot about like the developmental stages of Alison Armstrong there mm-hmm. and going through uh, different development kind of stages and things like that as well. So mm-hmm. like one of the things that I see when I'm working with people is them going through the different developmental stages. So we go through like adolescence, teenage years. Mm-hmm. We also go through the, the male, female, different developmental stages as well as different understanding of how we start to see the world based on who our identity is, whether that's Ron Wild or whether that's Matthew Gardner mm-hmm. and Part of part of that is like when people are in that that identity shift or that identity crisis. What's what's the what's the advice for people in that? Because that's very much what, what what's going on for a lot of people, and it's like one of the things that I work towards people transitioning through. Whether it's a a transition from being a mother and their their children uh, going through teenage years, and then their identity as a mother instantly starts to change, or it's the teenager going through that same kind of process. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you create space for people to uh, feel safe for that transition to occur? Mm. It's a great question. I'm going to, I'm going to answer it slightly off, off like direct line and we'll okay. see what happens. No, so, so I like answers. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so this is the context. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the context so the, one of the magical things that the name run wild gave me is I kind of related to, cause I'm still not legally run wild. Right. Mm-hmm. Yet. Um, yet, yet, yet. <laughs> that's, that's a play right now. Um, yeah. And yeah, so one of the things that it gave me was almost like a Bruce Wayne Batman relationship. Mm. It's cool. Like, and how Bruce Wayne would be, or how Clark Kent would be, is different to how Superman or Batman would be. Yeah. And so it um, essentially what I began to do was create this, this I don't call it a superhero because it's a little like, it's not. It's not wanky, but it was a, it was the like, greatest version of myself, yeah. right? And so I began to build this picture of the greatest version of myself that I nece- wasn't necessarily integrated into yet, mm-hmm. but I got really clear on what it was, yeah. right? And I could always ask myself, what would Run Wild do? Yeah. So I'm not necessarily recommending people like change their name, but what I'm what I'm inviting them to do is to to know what the greatest version of themselves is mm-hmm. like to build a relationship with that even if they're not integrated in it yet yeah. and so then that that provides if they can build this entity this idea and people do it envisioning all the time like who are you going to become can mm-hmm. you see it like vision envision yourself as a 40 year old woman you know with two children and a loving partner and mm-hmm. you know and you're on the farm you know with your hands in the soil and you love it and, and you come back inside and that you know the, the dog runs up to you and licks your leg and you just feel bliss and peace and nervous system chill in that moment like whatever whatever the actual the the moment of the future is or the moment of the greatest self is like how is that present how can that be present right now and then what would that do so it's almost like a less less a case of um, me giving them advice and more a case of me being like 
like get yourself to give yourself advice. Mm. You know, get like get what is already there inside you on on this exact timeline, just not fully integrated yet. But you can see it. Get that giving you advice. Yeah. Get that calling you forward. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it comes back to understanding the difference between developing that relationship with ourself and developing that relationship with the the self with the uppercase S because mm. it's then our higher self. Mm. So when we actually bring forward that way of being that that uppercase self uh, actually bees, mm-hmm. then it instantly allows us to be able to actually step into who we truly are at our, at our core essence. Mm-hmm. And then that allows us to show up in that and actually develop and uh, unfold into that knowing that like ultimately that's, that's the power that we've always had as well. So do you believe that um, when someone is like integrated into their higher self more so um, as, an example would be you and me 10 years ago versus you and me in this moment. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that we're probably closer to our higher self mm-hmm. in this moment than 10 years ago. Would you agree with that one? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> it depends. It depends. So, so, so it's like, it depends on the perspective in that instance. So you're, you're, you're at a different level of unfolding. And again, it's, it's no, like if you really get to the core of it, it's not, it's no closer or further away because it's still an unfolding because uh-huh. as soon as we think that we're closer, then we start to negate where we, where we came from, which right. actually creates who we are, which creates who we're becoming in that instance. So the visual I've got is almost like, it's like two parallel lines. One almost has like its higher self on it and the other one has like where we're at in this moment. So the higher self is always there and we can kind of like, like we just mm-hmm. keep going on the same timeline straight, straight ahead, but we kind of move towards it. So there's a higher self for us now. There's a higher self for us as mm. you know, as twenty year olds, yeah. as forty year olds. Like there's a, that's always available to us, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So what I um what I love about that is the is the idea that is the idea that it's always there mm. in every moment. Yeah. You know, like whether we can see it or not. Mm. And 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 this is the where I was going to get to with my question for you because I was really interested on in this. Is do you feel that as we in any given moment shift into our into uh, our higher self or uh, uh, something closer to our higher self or mm. listen to that. Do you feel how like our body's frequency changes? Mm. So it's that, it's that choice ultimately need to be able to step into what we know would be uh, how we would be as our higher self. And that instantly allows us to become into that absolute alignment to be able to then get to a place of energetic alignment and be able to manifest anything that comes and then instantly start to create ultimately want to create because we're actually in like true alignment in that instance, Mm -hmm. which allows us to be able to just actually become the full expression of our, what our life's purpose is and and then create that alignment with that. So, Mm, yeah, man, I'm so fascinated by this stuff. I, I love the, like, I honestly believe that if we had like a tuning fork that, we could put near our bodies yeah. in those times and that tuning fork had a measurement yeah. that the actual like f- frequencies and waves coming out of, out of our body literally shift and can be received as different frequencies. Mm-hmm. And it just, I just think it's extraordinary because then that for me leads straight into the whole conversation of literally creating your reality mm-hmm. and how our frequency shifts frequencies around us yeah. because it's in the same way that music moves us or the same way that, wind blows on trees and the leaves moves our frequencies shift other frequencies so it's just so interesting to have that higher self as the frequency which literally manifests physical change in ourselves and around us mm. i love it yeah i love that uh i can't remember who said it. it's this quote where uh you you truly stepped into your higher self when you become uh the imprinter of reality rather than being imprinted by what mm. your current reality is mm-hmm. so oh bro that brings me back to the dreaming like that dream time 
the idea of the dreaming and the um like the idea that that like the dreaming like what does it mean it literally means that we dreamed up everything like we dreamed up the mountains we dreamed up yeah. the rivers we dreamed up the oceans we dreamed up the like it's literally like nlp but like you know <laughs> a million years ago whatever a billion years whatever yeah. whatever the thing whatever it is right and that, that it was well the probably the length of however long earth's been around four billions mm-hmm. um but yeah, it's literally that idea of of like the dreaming the Indo- aboriginal australians dreaming how they hold that is like an extreme version of how we relate to the tools that we have in our toolkit, like NLP, mind conditioning, you know, high self conversations and the visioning and then frequency work that manifests a reality in us and around us that is different to what was before. Mm. So like manifesting up a tree over a billion years, I think that's pretty <laughs> cool, man. We should start trying that. Yeah, yeah cool. What, what's the reality that you want to manifest in terms of your current soul's mission then? Mm, yeah, so the there's a few pieces that are really really strong on my heart um, in this phase of my life, and so what I'm what, what I'm really focused on doing right now is bringing together. I want to I want to change the world mm. straight up. I want to change the world, and you know everyone everyone wants to change the world in some way. Not many people are doing it, mm. and there's a there's something there's there's a shift that I've noticed as I've moved to genuinely wanting to create a difference in my lifetime, mm. like almost, almost like the, it's almost the energy and frequency. I almost like receive it in my body the same way that someone who like dedicates their life to charity, mm. like how that sits in their body. That's how, like when I say I want to change the world, that's almost how it sits for me. It feels like a real legacy piece. That's mm. really, like, that's deep meaning in it for me. And so what does changing the world actually mean? It means that, uh, it means consciousness shifts. It's a real, when I say change the world, I have quite a general, quite a broad um, thing that I mean. I mean that when a uh, young boy is transitioning into adolescence, he's not told to toughen up. Mm-hmm. He's not told to suck it in. He's not told to hide his emotions or pretend. And the culture around him and the men around him uh, are demonstrating an example mm-hmm. of emotional intelligence, openness, and um, connection. Yeah, and there's permission for all parts of this young man. I also mean that our leaders, like the people making the biggest decisions about, you know, I don't necessarily believe in countries per se. I just think that we're just, we're just given, again, like identities, right? Mm. We're just, there's just this big round thing with like different green parts and, and blue parts. Mm. And I just called some of the green parts different things and then put people in charge of it. Mm. But, but still, there's, it's, that's how the structure of the society is. And so there's leaders making decisions about our everyday reality who are literally making decisions from, I mean, you could probably speak to this one, like they're making decisions just purely from their intellect, mm. which means that other parts of their humanity and other parts of our humanity, which are really significant, equally significant, some would say sometimes even more so significant sometimes, aren't being taken into account. Mm. So... Uh, an example would be like the the fact that uh, how sexuality is held in that society, and I know you and I have both had this like sexual dogma all through mm-hmm. our lives, right? Like there's this um, there's a real there's a yeah there's been a real dogma in like otherness to mm-hmm. sexuality. Like you can't do this or you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Other people have the opposite. Other people yeah. have too much, yeah. right? Um, and I, I see a world where like sexuality 
because it's a part of our existence, mm. gets to be a conversation yeah. that we have openly without like it, it having to stir up like everyone's shit. Mm. Like it gets to be seen and identified by our leaders as a part of the conversation, mm. like an important part of the conversation. Yeah. And, and, and rather than it being laced in, uh, like and the conversation currently is still laced in the thousands of years of dogma of the various churches, mm. right? So the every like even now our leaders of this country here and other countries all around the world, their statements on sexuality are laced with thousands of years of religious dogma. So how can we get to how can we create any real change? How can mm. we lift consciousness? and allow sexuality to be part of a common conversation if there's so much fucking dogma laced into our leaders. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the, the, I, I want to change it all. And the way that I want to change it is by bringing together the conscious inspired leaders mm. of this world. And I'm not like, I may not be the person to actually create the change, mm. but I feel that I'm one of the people to bring, bring together the leaders. So the conversations can be had. And there's a, there is a tipping point. And if we as leaders can hold a message and have a language that is fully honoring of everybody else and we can have a mission, uh, even if it's a side mission in life, right? Like if, if our side mission to change the world is present for all of us mm. for the rest of our lives, then that, that grows. More people get on board, more leaders get on board. And at some point there's a tipping point where we as leaders and examples for people like watching our journey, following our journey, trusting us, like no lacking, no lacking and trusting us. If we as leaders hold a thing and share a thing enough, then like in the world of social media, in a world of like where there's some people have hundreds of thousands of followers, millions of followers, like there's actually a tipping point that happens. Mm. So yeah, I, so I feel like who I am is the person, I'm one of the people who gets to bring those leaders together to have the conversations like for them to use their knowledge, like, you know, for you to use your knowledge, like there's pieces that you've got that I do not have. Mm. There's knowledge that you've got that I do not have. Like my flow game is like adolescent. Adolescent, it's fucking toddler compared to you. And there's pieces that get to be part of the conversation that I do not have. And so we need everybody to come together. Mm. You know, we need, we need your magic. We need the other leaders out there's magic to, to be a part of the conversation so that it's all seen. Because I'm sitting here talking about like sexual dogma at a government level. And the truth is that there's things that in me that are deeply dogmatic right mm. now that I just can't see Yeah. in the same way they can't see it. Yeah. So I, I, I need the other leaders to be around me for them and to, for me to give them permission to have a voice mm. so that I can also shift my dogma and I can shift the things that are blocking me and then open myself up to change. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So ultimately part of that then becomes you creating a movement of movements. Yeah. So it's like a movement of movements. <laughs> Sounds pretty hilarious. Doesn't it? It's a movement of movements. What are you dedicating your life to? Just moving movements. It's, who would have thought? Oh, I wouldn't have thought that as an 18 year old. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's really about, it's, it's, there's a, there's a shining a light part, you know, shining a light on the other leaders and their movements. Um, and the part that I really hold is just like, there's, there's something that happens when you get inspired individuals 
who their whole life have known they can be something different mm. um, and have spent their life um, seeking it to some extent or opening to it, mm. whatever the language is. And now they find themselves in leadership positions, aware that they're imperfect, aware that they have wisdom and knowledge and are on the journey. And when they get in the room with their tools, their resources and their knowledge and have a conversation in a circle setting or in a long table boardroom setting, it doesn't matter about how the world could look and how we can make that happen. Fuck man, 20 people who are leaders doing that. Like that's just the beginning, but just 20 people doing it is game changing. Mm. Like there's ripples, you know, if we're all a hundred percent for each other, if we stand fully for each other and each other's missions, then, you know, instantly that each of those 20 people, this is just a metaphor right now, but each of those 20 people, if they stood for each other's missions, instantly there is a tipping point in each of those people's missions because there's 19 other people who at a very, at a practical level respond to every Facebook post or like every Facebook post mm. um, who uh, when there's an event, they, this is like a social media conversation. They share the event. And then at a energetic level, they're, it's like we're at conscious leaders right now. Mm. There will never be a conscious leaders um, event, which is one of the events that I, we do on a fortnightly basis. There will never be a conscious leaders that doesn't have a, a minimum of 20, probably a minimum of 30 people at it. who are mm. all leaders. Why? Because we stand for each other. Mm. And in the same way that people who actually show up to conscious leaders, um, if they choose to be, if they choose to drop their own wolf stuff, that they actually get their events filled even more so because the other leaders are going to show up for them as much as they show up for, for them. Does that mean <laughs> everyone's showing up for each other essentially, right? Yeah. So, and when everyone shows up for each other, that means that, you know, we get access to um, the energy power frequency of each other's mission and also the, the reach of their message, you know, in the same way I'm on your podcast right now, right? Like, and your podcast gets uplifted because I get to be on the podcast. I get to take a message of standing side by side with people and um, you know, sharing my my life's work here, and to your listeners, mm. we're fucking empowering each other. Yeah, and that's we get to do more of that. Mm. And I feel like it's you know how the, it's we've only accessed ten percent of our brain, or you probably know the exact figure, don't you? You know, <laughs> okay, you're like it's nine point seven three. In the same way, we've only accessed and given permission for like ten percent of our brain mm. in our current um, reality mm. as humans, and some people a little more, some a little less. Uh, I think we're only using collaboration and we're only standing by each other at a 10% mm. extent. And so yeah. when we shift that, the world shifts. Mm. Definitely. So it comes from going from conversations of dogma and morality and creating a, uh, a worldview of collaboration instead of competition. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Collaboration over competition, my man. Yeah. So how do we spread that message even more then? That's a great question. It's the one that I'm like dedicating my life to mm. right now. So to the perfect person to speak on. Right? Yeah. I, I honestly, I honestly feel like the answer and the answer that, that I'm leading into and we're leading into is to do, to practice what we preach. Mm. And I feel like it almost gets to be as simple as that. Yeah. It's like, cool. Like how do you spread the message of collaboration over competition? Well, you collaborate rather than compete. Mm. And then so to be the living example of that, mm. uh, yeah, that's how it works. You know, we get to, we get to raise each other up. Mm. We get to shine a light on each other's magic and mission, even if, like, even if um, 
me and someone else in the community have in our in our businesses the exact same target market, mm. I still get to shine a light on them. Because mm. there's some people that, and their message and their magic, because there's some people that they're going to speak to even more profoundly than I, I yeah. can. And people will resonate with them more than me. Mm. And same for the people that, uh, that they get to lead and get to speak to. And so this, this all of a sudden, we're reaching the masses. Mm. There's a ripple effect that goes out across the world. And everyone, all the leaders coming together. Like, if, there, if you took every leader in the world, every single person who acknowledges himself as a leader in the world, and they all said the same thing mm. for three years, yeah. we would reach every person in the world. Fact. Mm. Except for the people who like live in the bush, you know, like, like in little hermit set setups. Um, but then that eventually catch up anyway. Um, so this is the, this is the piece, right? Is, is, can it be done? Like, is, is it, is it mathematically possible? Mm. Yes. In a, in a short time. Yes. Mm. Is it probably going to happen in a short time? No. Mm. <laughs> is the answer to collaborate over compete? Absolutely. Mm. And how do we do it? Will we fucking collaborate like we've never collaborated before? We stand side by side on messages. You know, this is like, I honestly believe a 30 second video can change the world right now. Mm. Like never before in history can thir has 30 seconds been able to change the world. Mm. But the right, the right 30 seconds, the right 30 seconds of words and a person embodied, integrated and speaking to camera um, you know, in the, in whatever way, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how they, how they look, mm. but I know that the right 30 seconds with the right person right now can fucking change the entire world. Mm. It can reach, it can reach hundreds of millions of people that then has a ripple from that to the communities around them. Mm. And I don't know what the message is per se right now. Mm. There's, there's probably multiple, to be honest. Yeah. There's lots of 30 seconds that can change the world. Mm. And maybe it's our responsibility to start making those 30 seconds, mm. you know, to start, and just as a metaphor for the things, the 30 second videos, the, the podcasts straight into, straight into audiences around the world, the um, like being the embodiment of what we speak, you know, it's like, cool, like drop your dogma, drop your dogma. Um, let's open up to the different possibilities. Cool. If I'm saying that, but I'm like, no, this is how, this is how this has to be. And I'm really holding to that thing, but I'm not like open to evolving and shifting it. Then I'm just practicing the same thing that I'm trying to shift in the world. Mm. So I have to, like for me and for the people around me, it's really about holding firm to the mission and also being ultimately open to evolving through the process. Mm. Ultimately opening, meaning so much so that I'm prepared to change my name. Mm. You know, like, like um, and shift my identity over and over again. Yeah. And we can talk about ayahuasca if you'd like to talk about ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So, so when we think about that, like ultimately we're, we're creating this shift of identity from competition collaboration. We're creating a shift of the identity from uh, lone wolf to the greater impact. How do we, how do we create the space for that, that identity shift to occur? Mm. Yeah. So the, the space, the space is a couple of things. The space is, so where the space that gets created is, is in, in uh, currently it's in events. Mm -hmm. So we run events um, and give people the space to actually come to. Uh, it's also in the online space and it's just in our everyday lives, in our communities and in our families. So how do we create the space is, well, first of all, people need a language, a shared mm -hmm. language, 
right? Like any, any movement, and this is a movement of movements, but any movement needs a shared language. Mm. And because if you're speaking a different language, it's really hard to translate mm. and then hold the same frequency or vibration as you move along the journey. So we empower people with a language. We uh, be the embodiment of what we speak. And we, whether or not it's comfortable, whether or not it's easy, we get to be arms open to all. Mm. Yep. And in doing so, in being arms open to all, it doesn't mean, like we get to accept people, love people for who they are and where they're at, and we get to call them forward with our worldview as well. Mm. They get to say no or yes, depending on what they choose. But that's, that's the piece is like there's this, there is a piece of community tension in the movement's expansion. Mm. And what I mean by community tension is the sort of tension you'd have um, someone who has a different worldview to you. Mm. Um, so what's an example? Oh, do, do, can I do a Go for quite it. a political, um, interesting one? Okay, so, so like currently there's a lot of um, people standing for not for 5G. Mm. and not yeah. not like essentially cancelling out 5G and not having 5G the uh, how do you language it as like a wire, uh, wireless yeah it's, it's a telecommunication system yeah telecommunications it's not 3G it's not 4, 4G it's 5G and it's multiple times more mm. um, essentially energetically intrusive that's what this, that's what the, the mm. people who are protesting at are saying. And so the idea is, and so a lot, a lot of people around me right now are protesting or really standing for not having 5G around us. Mm. Um, and so I don't necessarily want 5G around us. But I'm not a passionate, I personally in this moment in life, I'm not a passionate, mm. like let's not have 5G around us. I'm not passionate about that. Mm. Um, and so we have essentially have different worldviews. I'm like, I'm pretty easy with how this goes. Mm. And they're like, if we have 5G, the, like mm. our realities will change, right? Right? Like we'll be impacted in a way that will begin killing us. Mm. And so there's a little part of me that's like, oh, maybe we are the frog in the frying pan, mm. you know? Like, like maybe that's the case, and maybe 3G has become 4G, and now it's 5G, and eventually it's going to be 15G, and yeah. eventually I'll have like four arms, and that's a, you know maybe that's the case. Mm. Um, but I'm not. I'm not this kind of like directly passionate like they are. Mm. So I get to and have called them forward because when they communicate to me through the lens of pain mm. and fight, um, I don't buy into it Yeah, because I don't want to base my life off pain and fight. Mm. And I don't want to base my mission off pain and fight mm. because if I'm basing my mission and my life of pain and fight present with me in every moment and every day is the energy of pain and fight. Mm. And I don't want the energy of pain and fight present with me in every moment, every day, mm. but um, so I can call them forward to shift their language, mm. even if it's uncomfortable. I'm like, mm. look, pain, like I can literally tell them what I just told you is then. Yeah. Um, and the conversation is not comfortable, right? And so the magic happens for me and for my movement and for our movement if they shift their language to still stand for, still stand for what they stand for, but they stand from it from a place of empowerment mm. and from a place of feeling empowered, mm. ultimately empowered and not having to necessarily fight the system or fight what is already there and they have the energy of fighting what they're doing rather the energy of just, um, I stand for this. I, I hold the frequency of this. I love everybody. Even the people who currently in this moment 
might be making decisions that are impacting us negatively. Mm. And from there, the like from a space of love and um, ple- like not pleasure, but but positivity and care and respect mm. for all human beings, the vibration gets to just shift everyone around us. Because mm. we can't. If there's going to be fight, there's always going to be fight. Yeah, yeah. So this is the this is the thing that we get to do is mm. have the uncomfortable conversations that allow us to stand for what we stand for, but have a shared message and shared voice as we do so. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation because it, it becomes another mechanism of dogma in that instance around it rather than, yeah. rather than actually creating that reality that we all want to step into when we, when we come from a place of <clears throat> argument, anger or fighting, all of that creates is more of that. Yeah. So it just creates oppositional energy where, where instantly it creates people being even more ingrained in, in their beliefs rather than actually being open to stepping outside of it. And that's like, that's ultimately what's playing out on every level throughout the entire world in different areas, whether that's around morality, around sexuality, or it's around, well, this, this is the superior thing to do in terms of how you should relate to your body and your mm-hmm. sexuality. And then it's creating this all encompassing view of it. Yeah. And it goes through each of the different levels and each of the different levels are also all required mm-hmm. because they're all part of our development. It's going through the developmental stages that we all go through mm-hmm. and when, when we can come to the place of uh, being okay with where every single person is at, knowing that where they're at is still the perfect representation of that and they get to then choose whether to evolve or not or choose to remain in that dogma, that morality, which mm-hmm. creates the, the systems that they're in being perpetuated mm-hmm. and the results being exactly the same anyway. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what do you take out of that? Oh, I, like I'm, everything you're saying, what, what my, my tiny little brain is saying to me is like, isn't it funny how people want peace so badly and they want to fight mm. to get peace? Yeah, we've been conditioned to do that. <laughs> right? That's like, the thing. It's uh, like, well, how do, we, how, do we, how do we create, how do we create the, the terrorist-free world? Well, we go and be a terrorist in some other country. Like, we've been conditioned into this for, for millennia. The, 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 the way out of something is to do the exact same thing, which creates the exact same reality. Like, yeah. like who was it? Einstein said that the the level of consciousness that created the problem has no capacity to solve it. Mm. So when we start to evolve our level of consciousness around it, we can actually start to look at the, the, the occurring of what's actually happening in, in, in reality to allow that to evolve so that we can actually create a new reality. Mm. Because if we're just going to bring the same arguments, the same anger, the same war, then all that's all that we create. Yeah. It just changes where it occurs. It's yeah. like, you don't solve war with war. Mm. You don't solve make wrong of 5g by creating more make wrong of it no. of, of the opposite end of the thing. It's yeah. like, well, if that comes to fruition, then yes, there is going to be a specific impact on humanity. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily know what that is at the moment. Yeah. So it's coming from that place of being okay with and accepting where it transitions to knowing that there are going to be people at different levels of the development in terms of either morality, mm-hmm. uh, it being all about them or then becoming more hippie like, and then moving to another level of that, um, that all encompassing view of the world. So, yeah. I have, a, I have a little bit of a controversial um, perspective. Awesome. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I love controversial. So I, I actually, uh, I believe in God. And so my God, uh, I understand my God to be a little different to most people's God. Like actually the same God, but the way that I perceive God and the way mm. that I relate to God is probably different to most people. How most, most people relate to him. Uh, big fella. Um, and, uh, so I've had the, 
I've had the magical experience of meeting God. I'm not going to talk about that right now, but I'll talk about what this means. So I believe that uh, if the entire planet exploded, mm. if let's let's do the nuclear bomb thing, if if eighteen nuclear bomb, well, let's go hundred nuclear bombs just penetrated deep into the Earth's core in multiple directions, and then we scattered, and all life on Earth disappeared, mm. and uh, it all fell apart in that moment. I, I believe that uh, God would go, oh, that happened. Mm. And maybe, maybe that'd be a single tear. And then the moment that single tear got past the lip, it would disappear. And then God would then go on vibrating with love and all things. Mm. Because I believe that our earth is one of many. I, be, I believe that there is an infinite number. Of, I mean, there's literally every star is a fucking planet or galaxy. Mm. Like there's literally million, billions of things, more than that, trillions, infinite things out there um, floating around. We can see them, a bunch of them, when we look up at the sky at night. Uh, and uh, so this isn't the alien conversation. This is the, <laughs> although it can't, <laughs> we, we can't, we can't go there. <laughs> like philosophically, <laughs> philosophically, you can go there if it, if it needs to. But it is from a philosophical rather than a belief, um, a belief perspective. Mm. Um, and yeah, so like this is in, in the way I relate to it, this is everything that we know could end in, a, in any given moment and it would be okay. Mm. So I live my life uh, based on the, the belief that everything I know, including my very existence, mm. could end in any given moment. Yeah. Uh, not just my death, but the literal death of everyone I know, like the entire planet exploding and disappearing and going off into space and little asteroid things and human beings floating around through space. It's awful. And it's okay. Mm. So, and the, this is the ultimately challenging piece and the piece that like, I, I feel is like the direction to enlightenment, which I'm like, like I kind of face that direction and kind of consider it sometimes. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I really like coffee though. Um, <laughs> you know, it gets to be that simple. And so, yeah. so the, the direction is uh, what if, what if uh, the moment that everything explodes is actually the most beautiful moment? What if, you know, what if that the moment everything ends is actually the, like every, what if everything is so okay that mm. everything else just keeps on going mm. and that we are less than a drop of water in the ocean of all things, mm. you know, like literally just a drop of water, this entire planet, a drop of water in the ocean of reality, of all reality. And just cause we can see like all oh, we've spent, we've spent our entire life inside that drop, like just mm. considering that drop, looking at that drop, but there's a whole ocean and then land and then mountains and then rivers. And it's just infinite. What goes beyond our reality. So I just, I just want to presence that like I, I, and I don't say this with dogma, but I, I want to invite the world to like, can, to come from that space. Mm. And it's a big one. It's, and it's, it's a big shift. But when we do, when we stand in that, it is always okay. Mm. Even the ultimately what the thing is perceived as the, the worst thing that could ever happen. Mm. I imagine that's probably the worst thing that could ever happen. Mm. Right is everything explodes mm. or whatever it is. And we all perish in a moment. All the platypuses, you know, like slowly shrivel. Mm. Um, and that's a funny one. <laughs> and if, if I can be okay with that, and not just, just okay with it, but if I can be like, ah, oh, 
it just is mm. like from that kind of Zen state, then I have an equal appreciation for all things. And I can tell you what, like the, the energy that the 5G protest is, and I, I love them by the way, and I have full mm. respect for them standing for what they believe, but the energy mm. like that some of them are coming from is an energy of this is the worst thing that has ever happened. Mm. And so there's a vibration to that statement. Yeah. Yeah. If this happens, we will mm. insert thing. There's a vibration to that statement. Mm. And if, and you, can, you notice it, it's really tangible when you look at the vibration of the statement, everything could end mm. and it would still be okay. Mm. Like it's a very different, very different energies in those statements. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like we've gone on a bit of a, bit of a journey here. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's what we want, right? That's what it's all about, the journey. <laughs> so yeah, it's very interesting to see um, the like every one of the core beliefs that I have is every person will understand based on their level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So when you instantly frame something with this is going to be out there or confronting to some people, it just means that people at a certain level of consciousness aren't going to resonate with that. Mm -hmm. And because they're ingrained in the dogma that they're at, the morality that they're at, which then means that their, their identity becomes questioned too much for them to actually be open to buying into that. Mm -hmm. And like what you're talking about is ultimately the, the completing the complete letting go of every aspect of our identity as a human race, mm -hmm. which is like the ultimate letting go of like identity, ego, all of these things. There's a full circle. Yeah. So it's, it's, it comes back to what, like every single person has an inherent fear of death. Like the first, the first fear that we develop as we're like, is the fear of death because as we're about two years old, we start to develop the awareness that we exist. Mm -hmm. And what comes along with that is, well, what happens if I don't exist? Mm. So every fear becomes back to that and then it becomes this, this fear of what happens if I don't exist? Mm. And the reality is the only thing that that fear is based on is the, the, the fear of what happens if I don't exist? And that only being what happens if I don't exist as an identity? Mm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's big, man. It's honestly, it's, and the way you just language that is actually perfect. It's, and it's, it's anchored into everything. This, this, these identities, mm. you know, it's, you know, before we, you know, I, I can't imagine a world where we release the identity of ourselves as a human, as the human race. Like, I don't even know what that looks like. Yeah. Right. But what I can, like, what I can start to feel into is cool. Like what if we released the idea of like, this is a country. Mm. Like this, and this, this, this piece of land right here, which at some point in time got called a thing by a human mm. brain, mm. and now we all choose to call it that. In the same way that the PNG guy was like, "You're Kanaman now," yeah. And I was just like, "Oh, he's just like named me like a piece of land, right?" Mm. And um, I'm like, "Oh, I actually choose to not be that. I choose to be something else." Mm. So, although I do get called Kanaman up in up in here, mm. and it's it's this idea that I, so what I'm what I'm sitting in is that. I'm, I can now imagine a world where we release like nationality mm. or where we release, uh, like, there can still be people who like lead and love mm. in geographical areas if that's what's mm. needed. Although we're probably moving very rapidly towards a non-geographical model of relating. Mm. Like it's, that's happening pretty, like 5G is probably a part of that. Mm. Like, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot shifting. And what I can see is the na at the national, at the land level. Like imagine a world where someone didn't turn up on Australia, you know, was it 260 years ago or whatever? Mm -hmm. And they're like, 
this is now something else. Mm. And like the Aboriginals are just like, but it's just, just this thing. Like it's, there's no, like, we, you know, we just, this is where we be. Mm. That's, that's all it is to me. This is where we be. Yeah. Well, this is the space that we be in. Mm. And now someone's like, this is now called Australia. And these are the rules that we've taken from this place and put on this space. And mm. it's just very much like, it's very, we're giving this land an identity. Yeah. So that when you're here, you have to have this identity. Mm. It's like the ultimate dogma. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> So would then stepping outside of that and transcending that level of thinking be the removal of language? Oh, dude, it's, this is big, big fucking conversation. This is like evolutionary conversation right yeah. now. And the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, like the long-term answer is yes. Yeah. So how do we create that? Oh, wow. Like, like is, it, is it AI? Is it... Is it like, is there some, is technology a part of the evolution that then gets, like, I mean, that's what Elon's playing with right now, right? Mm. Does, is this thing that is naturally being created external to us, the thing that ends up becoming internal to us and we become these symbiotic organisms that, mm. you know, work and communicate. And like if, if, you know, I believe in the oneness. So mm. we are all one, like the particles that made you, you as a baby, a part of the, at some point with the particles that made me, me or, and we're all kind of connected from the same matter. So it would make sense that like, it makes more sense to my brain to be like connected via Wi-Fi or so, you know, some, some future version of that. Um, I personally, I, what I personally think is that the, the journey is from like the long-term journey is from thinking, thinking, thinking to feeling like almost back from thinking to feeling almost like what if we didn't have to think, mm. what if things could just be, mm. you know, and, and that's what back to that dreaming conversation. I don't think there was any like, and this is very spiritual, but I don't think there was any, we, we have to plan out the trees. Mm. we got to plan out. Let's, let's do a diagram of the mountains and mm. you know, like let's get that, that, the Andes kind of shaped up here. Oh, let's move that valley in that crevice. I don't think there was any of that. I think that it was just like, let's resonate at our highest and hold the intention of uh, matter coming together mm. in a way that serves in this moment in time. Mm. So yeah. How do you have, intention without language i don't know the answer to that man hmm. do you <laughs> well, i have i have my answer what do you got it, but it's it's just my answer just my opinion so if we were to transcend language then the only way that we would communicate would be through energetic frequency uh -huh. so then instantly like if you think about like having a, a telepathic society then it's just like you communicate through frequency, the frequency of your being, and you wouldn't need to label something a bed or a tree or anything like mm -hmm. that. It'd just be inherent. It automatically is. Mm -hmm. For if, we, if we're in the construct of language, then we have to label everything. We give everything an identity, which actually takes away from the world of it. Mm -hmm. It's not what it is. It's what we've labeled it to be. Dude, this brings, this is, you're making me think of babies right now. Yeah, and that's the thing. What happens if we then just go through every experience that we have, which is just a going from the un unmanifest to the manifest to the unmanifest and the consistent unfolding of that experience throughout our entire life. So mm -hmm. we go from this unmanifest view of language to manifest to then unmanifest again when we then die, when we move on to whatever our next mm -hmm. aspect of our existence is. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with everything. We, we go from seeing something outside a window as a tree just to seeing it rather than having to label it as a tree and actually mm -hmm. become present to what it is rather than say that it's a tree and it has certain features and this mm -hmm. is what it is. 
like this, this, this construct of language is essential for us in this moment and transcending that will allow us to actually move to whatever our next plane of existence is mm-hmm. without the need for communication. Yeah. Like if we've already been through that as a childhood yeah. in childhood, then we return to that state. Like yeah. whenever, whenever I'm talking about flow, it's like, when we're in flow, we've, we've transcended the previous levels of consciousness. We've, we've transcended our need for our ego in that instance. Animals don't actually have ego. They just start to have a different brain function. Like uh, monkeys and things like that have a prefrontal cortex, but like most other animals don't. They just be. They just do their things. They don't experience fear. They don't experience all of these constructs of our mind. So us returning to that state at a transcendent level would be what our, our next evolution of consciousness mm. would be. And then flow is just a short-term experience of that. Do, so, you, then, do you then think that, that there's a, there is a lot to learn from babies? Yes. Yeah. Is that a part of what you teach? Well, you can learn. Well, technically you can learn from every aspect of every different part of the development of oh. the experience. And it's like, well, if that's what we're returning to, then we can either look, look backwards mm. or look forwards because mm. we're just in a transient part of going to there or from mm. here, mm. it can create this consistent cycle of that unfolding. Mm. So yes, we can learn from babies and we can learn from every single person along that process as well, because then it's just a different this level is, of unfolding. This conversation is so perfect. It's, um, it just ties in with the name conversation so hilariously. Mm. The, like, the idea of, of evolution being this beautiful combination of forgetting and remembering, mm. you know, and, that, and that's like, if, if a human being is walking around being like, I'm not a spiritual human being, mm. I just haven't like named that part of themselves because mm. the act of naming of the act of forgetting and then remembering mm. just implies this, this spiritual nature to our reality. I, I believe all this, even if, even if spiritual is biological, mm. right? Like even if it's, even if spiritual is the way in which two human, two babies are energetically connected and giggling side by side, mm. like there is, there is an energetic exchange in that space and moment that is mm. beyond words, mm. but says so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is what I'm getting is that the, the journey of evolution that we're mapping out right now is actually one of releasing language at some point. Mm. Um, I don't see it in the next hundred years or who knows, mm. or unless technology is a part of it. Yeah. Cause that, that would be a tipping point in that. Yeah. So like, if, even if we go back to 5g in that instance, the pr- predominant focus of 5g is to then, upregulate our capacity to use AI because like it's, we're not getting fast internet for us. We're getting fast internet for the internet of things, which is all the AI on AI and internet, which is going to start to run everything else. Because even at the moment, the, the online searches, like people using the internet is still only about 30% of what the internet is useful. Mm. And it's, it's at a low level for the internet of things or AI starting to use the internet. But from now on, like it's, it's dropping dramatically for us actually using the internet, for AI to start to use the internet even more, mm-hmm. which means that it just means that it starts to phase us out so, so, so much mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes that that tipping point of technology consistently moving at a faster rate. And mm-hmm. like part of it is will will our level of consciousness actually match that or will AI transcend it? Mm-hmm. Or what's what's gonna happen in that instance, which is the the most amazing experience that we could potentially have in humanity. Mm-hmm. It's either like the next level of consciousness or mm-hmm. complete destruction. So it's it, happening. It's just happening factually. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like, that's it's scary. Well, and, it's, and, and yeah. it's part of the journey. And, yeah. scary. and that's, that's the thing that we get to then do because then like as our 
human level of consciousness starts to evolve. It's part of why I believe that our, our consciousness of the planet is evolving at such a fast rate because it, it needs to match what technology is at, otherwise technology is going to take us over. Mm. So it, it creates this perfect storm for the human race to have this perfect opportunity to evolve its level of consciousness, mm. to be able to surpass that or even meet that so that we do survive or that we get phased out. Either way, there's going to be mm. some point in the future which, which we will get to experience mm. or even one generation off mm. that will have that experience for us. And yeah. that, that can be the transcendence of language because if we then went into that concept of mm. uh, what Elon Musk talks about, having like things put into our heads that can actually connect into the internet, well, then we don't need to communicate via words or anything. It's just all data. Mm-hmm. It's just energetic frequency, which begins mm-hmm. to be transmitted from ourselves to any other person. Then it's mm-hmm. not even language mm-hmm. because like is, is all that I'm communicating right now with my voice is an energetic frequency. Mm-hmm. And if I was, uh, if there was a way that I could do that at a faster rate in a shorter amount of time through mm-hmm. data, mm-hmm. then that would instantly, like I could, it, it becomes the matrix. This would be like a 10 second podcast. Yeah. It becomes the matrix where like <laughs> I saw a, a short for the matrix and then like did the download thing. It's like the eyes look up. It's like, I know come through. It's like that imprinting yeah. into our brain because yeah, then it's right. just this instant transformation of all of this knowledge, energy experiences, which oh. like, if you look at flow, that's, that's becoming more and more available. Now there are, um, one of the guys that I talk to a lot, he has, he creates, uh, virtual worlds mm. so you basically have a virtual world for a mine and they put all of the people into this virtual world mm. and they have it like a mine but they speed it up to like a thousand times mm. the speed so people actually learn basically five years of experience in like a day mm. so they create this entire reality so they can speed it up so you get all the learnings without having to wait five years of experience mm. so instantly what that creates is this mm. this capacity for us to be able to evolve our level of consciousness at a faster rate than we'd ever experienced before, which creates this perfect combination of the development of our level of consciousness through technology. Mm. And that just creates what our world is going to be, whether the, whether we're a part of that or not, mm. who knows? It just becomes like the most exciting time in history, really. Can you imagine if Tim Ferriss and Elon Musk had a baby? Like, <laughs> that would be just, I love how that, that's where your mind Yeah, I was just, just like, listening to everything. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you are that. <laughs> <laughs> the love child. Yeah, the love child of Tim Ferriss and Elon Musk. Cool. Um, <laughs> that was a very random journey. Yeah, that was so random. I love it. Uh, where can people uh, get in contact with you if they want to find out more about what you do? Yeah, so what, what I'd love people to do um, right now, and I, I'll answer this in as much short form as I can, Yeah. I am currently looking at changing my name. I'm yep. currently looking at legally changing my name. Uh, I may not be Matthew Gardner legally four weeks from now. I may also not be run wild legally for mm. four weeks from now. I'm going on my own journey and asking myself the questions of who am I? What yep. do I relate to? What is my truth? And what do I own in this moment? And so whatever I choose going forward with, I will lean fully into in this phase of my life. Um, and it gets to be whatever whatever I want it to be mm. and whatever it needs to be and whatever I'm called to be. So the, what I would love is for people to, to connect with the Spiritual Avengers movement, which is the movement of movements that you so, <laughs> you so eloquent, eloquently put together um, before. And yeah, so the Spiritual Avengers movement, the Spiritual Avengers is on Instagram. It's on Facebook as a social media presence. It's relatively new. 
Um, and as a movement, it is, it's one of those ones that, I mean, you're, you're um, in our community as well. You can see it's one, for me, it feels like the stories that I read in books. It feels like we are in the beginning of like the, you know, you know like the Nike story you read about where mm. it began, there was like a tipping point yeah. and they're like, it got like momentum at like a, a underground level to begin with and the mm. underground level kind of, I, I really feel like, every single day of my life is almost, I'll experience it as like the way I read these stories of these massive brands and world um, shifting organizations, messages. I really feel that we're in that right now. So, so yeah, people can um, connect with the spiritual Avengers movement, just the spiritual Avengers on socials. Uh, there's me, Kezia, Jamie Lee, Eric Bergen, and everyone else in the community is accessible through those spaces and gets light shine on them through those spaces. And then there's the invitation to come to a conscious leaders event. Um, if there's anyone that's listening to this is in Queensland or on the Gold Coast in Brisbane in Byron Bay, uh, even if you're anywhere around the world and one day you want to come to one of our events, uh, we have fortnightly events. We also have um, workshops that we deliver to kind of to begin the shared language conversation. And maybe the shared language conversation is the pathway to no language at all. Mm. Yeah, maybe. And uh, yeah, so the workshops, the events, you know, we've got pitch. Pitch is one of our language based workshops where we're kind of like bringing a common language to the, the leaders of the world and yeah, come to a workshop, come to an event, connect with us, connect with us, me being one of those people on social media under the spiritual Avengers. And we actually get to try together. If they connect with us on spiritual Avengers right now, we will actually respond and connect and have a personal one-on-one conversation. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to be able to share your wisdom today and share about all things identity shifting. So thank you. Thank you, brother. Thanks for playing in this random journey today. <laughs> so beautiful. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Cody and Paul podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, be sure to check out our private Facebook group, The Human Potential Movement. Just search that on Facebook and you'll be able to find us and join that group to join the conversation around all of these episodes and learn even more about how to unleash your own latent superhuman potential. See you on the next episode, guys, and thanks for listening.